our Bibles and go to the book of Ruth in the Old Testament. And I want to begin reading in chapter number 2. And I will read verses 15 through 17. And then I will read 21 through 23. You find Samuel and the kings just right before Samuel, in between Samuel and Judges. Ruth chapter 2, verse 15. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and reproach her not. Let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her, and leave them, that she may glean them, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until even, and beat out that that she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. Verse 21. And Ruth the Moabitess said, He said unto me also, Thou shalt keep fast by my young men until they have ended all my harvest. And Naomi said unto Ruth her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his matings, and that they meet thee not in any other field. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz, to glean unto the end of barley harvest and the wheat harvest, and dwelt with her mother-in-law. So we want to teach this evening about grace for your harvest. Grace for your harvest. Let's have a Word of prayer. Father, again, we are pleased that we have an opportunity to open the scriptures, which is the bread of life. We pray now that you would give me the ability to speak clearly, give them all ears to hear. And we pray, God, that this book would have great meaning for us by the time we're done. We're so glad that Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins to make it possible for us to be engaged in the harvest. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. All of us understand that Ruth is a very beautiful book. It's one of only two books in the scripture that has the name of a woman attached to its title, the other being Esther. The reason this book is significant today is because today is what we call the day of Pentecost, 50 or so days from Passover. And traditionally in Jewish uh, communities, the book of Ruth is read. You say, why would the book of Ruth be important at Pentecost? At Pentecost, it was believed That is when the law was given. Moses approached the mountain. The fire appeared on the top of that mountain and God gave to him the commandments. And the fact that this lady took upon herself the law of God and began to follow after the king. This is why this little book has been so significant to Jewish people around the world. Now, what is it about this book that touches people's hearts? If you look at chapter one, you'll see that there was a famine in Bethlehem. A gentleman by the name of Elimelech, he took his wife and two sons and they made their way to Moab. He wanted to secure a job and even a wage to take care of his family. And he didn't 
think it best to starve to death where there was no food. And while he was in Moab, even his two boys found two wives of the Moabite women. But sadly, the scripture says Elimelech died. And of course, it's very difficult when a wife has to stand there and bury her husband. But then you compound Naomi's problems with the fact that she had to also bury two sons. Now, Naomi's name, of course, means gracious, pleasant. And here she was in a foreign country, having lost a husband, two sons. She has two daughter-in-laws left. Then she hears that there's bread now in Bethlehem, and she wants to return home to her people. Maybe it's because she wanted to be around people that talked like her or dressed like her. All of the the old foods that she formerly enjoyed was there. She wanted to go back to the And they started their journey because they wouldn't leave her. But Naomi had told them, "You, you need to find husbands. I'm older now. She said, the Lord grant that you find rest in verse 9. And they wept and they cried, but Ruth's sister-in-law, Orpah, returned home. She didn't want to make the trip. And when Naomi started on the journey again with Ruth at her side, she eventually said to Ruth, I think you really ought to go back home to your family. How are we going to secure a husband or something like that for you? When I'm old, I can't have any more kids. But Ruth said, please stop asking me to leave in verse 16. Wherever you go, I'm going to go where you live and die. That's where I'll live and die. They will bury my body next to yours. Now You've got to understand that in this story, There's a lot of hardship. There's a lot of tragedy. There's difficulty. This journey is hard for them because Naomi has to leave the remains of her husband and sons in a foreign country. It's not like she'll be going back to the sepulcher or to the grave to attend to it on Decoration Day. She's got to make her way back home, not with a husband or a son, but with a daughter-in-law. That's what she did. Her daughter-in-law never left her side. And the scripture says when they got just outside the city and were slowly making their way into the city in verse 9, the people were moved and they said, oh my, is this Naomi, the one that left with her husband and sons? And Naomi said, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, which means bitter. She said, I went out full, but I came back empty. She felt like she had been harshly dealt with by God. Here this woman's heart was aching because of what she had passed through. You may have passed through similar circumstances, but the story is clear. God will bring you through anything. And as the saying in the Old Testament goes over and over again, and it came to pass, we know that in English that means that uh, this happened or this occurred But when we take it and think about it in another way, remember that the tests and trials and tribulations that come to you, they come to pass. They do not come to stay. They don't come to abide with you forever. Just because you're having trouble today doesn't mean you're going to have trouble tomorrow. So they came into the city and they hadn't even been there long. And Ruth said, look, mama, somebody's got to have a job. I've got to go out and, and look after us. 
This lady's starting over. She left her family, left her religion, embraced the faith that was in the heart of this woman, Naomi. And then when she got there into that house, she said, I've got to do something to help her. I mean, she owes everything to Naomi right now. Now it's Ruth that's in a foreign country. So Ruth said, Naomi, I'm going to go out and I'm going to look for work. And that woman got up that morning, dressed herself, stepped outside that little front door, went down a couple of blocks, turned north or wherever she went, went a few miles outside of the little village and saw some ladies out there working in a field. And she didn't ask, could she have a job? She didn't say who's the manager or who's in charge of this. She just went right out there and started working just like everybody else did. And you know how it is. People who have a farm or ranch, you know who all your hired workers are. You know how many you have that are there. Typically, you hire people that you know and that you have a relationship with, those that you can trust. But Boaz, the owner, he looks out there and sees someone that he know he didn't give a job to. He asks, and they said, that's Naomi's daughter-in-law who has come back to help her and to be a blessing. Boaz, whose name means the strong one, he said to the young men, he said, make sure when you're out there doing harvest, you drop a little bit of that grain behind you and everything so that she can gather up some of that and take it home. That later on, when it comes time for her and Naomi to have a meal, they'll have some food. So sure enough, I mean, Ruth is gathering up all of this. She has no idea that Boaz has spoken behind the scenes and is working behind the scenes. She fills up her skirt with all of this. At the end of the day, she makes her way all the way back. And sure enough, Naomi said, honey, how was your day? She said, oh, mom, it was, oh, it's a great day to be alive. She unfurled that skirt, and I'm telling you, stuff went everywhere. And Naomi said, this is amazing. Where did you go? She said, I didn't know where to go. I stepped out of the house, turned one direction, kept on walking, found a field, went to work there, met the owner. His name was Boaz. Then Naomi heard that, and the wheels started turning. She said, Boaz, he's a relative to my late husband. She said, so I'll tell you what. I think because he's a kinsman and he's related to us and he has shown you this kindness, I see an open door. So in chapter three, she tells Ruth, verse three, you've been out there working hard. I want you to go down there, clean yourself up real good, put on your prettiest dress, perfume yourself real good. The men are going to be partying. It's harvest time. Some of them are going to get a little bit inebriated and they're not going to know so much what's going on. But I want you to pay attention to where Boaz falls asleep amongst all that hay. And she said, okay. So sure enough, in verse seven, Mr. Boaz fell down by a heap of corn somewhere. And, uh, and, and, and the custom was if you were going to let a gentleman know that you were interested in that gentleman taking you as the wife, then you go snuggle up next to his feet and you pull the covering that's over his feet over your body. That's how you signify that this is the proposal. So that's exactly what she did. And you can see in verse 
8 and 9, Boaz rode over at midnight and just about had a heart attack. Most people, most men don't, aren't used to waking up at night to a woman at their feet. But sure enough, there she was. And Boaz said, you have shown me kindness. He knew exactly what the custom meant. The custom meant this is a marriage proposal. How many of you men had your wife propose to you that way? Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be something? You know, roll over in the middle of the night and there's a lady right there at your feet letting you know that they're quite interesting. I haven't asked everybody their story, but I don't know. It could very well be that one day Travis went fishing, fell off to sleep. A little chilly out there, had a little blanket over him, and then when he woke up, there was Ann snuggled up by his bunions. And they've been together ever since. I mean, it's just, see? But you can see how different the customs are. We, we look at that, and it's so foreign to our thinking because the, the normal, natural custom here is for the gentleman to take a lady somewhere, and then after they've been together for a while, he gets on his knee or he proposes in some way and asks the person to marry him. And then here is a custom that is totally different. And Naomi is working behind the scenes to secure matrimony for her daughter-in-law. And everything works out as planned. Boaz tells her, we have a relative closer to you than I am. I have to go down to the city gates and talk to the elders and talk to the gentlemen and make sure that he isn't interested in you. And he did. He went down there, had the conversation. In chapter 4, verse 1, he sat down there. And spoke to the gentleman and the gentleman said, look, I have enough real estate. I don't need a wife or another wife. You can play the part of the kinsman redeemer. And to signify that the transaction was true and legal, he took his shoe off and put it in the hands of Boaz, which was one of their customs to show I'm giving you the right to walk into my inheritance. Think of that. Take your shoe off and give it to a man. That's exactly what happened. And Boaz, verse 13 of chapter 4, took Ruth to be his wife. She conceived. And here this woman entered into the lineage of King David. Now, how does all of this have some significance for us? Well, all of this took place during harvest time. All of this took place during that time when people are working in the fields, doing their best to bring in some profit. And you can see that this woman, Naomi, was gracious to Ruth. What does grace do for you and for me during harvest time? It embraces us when we have no covenant and it even transforms us. That's exactly what happened in the foreign land of Moab. Ruth had been raised by people of another religion. Ruth was a worshiper of other gods, but she fell in love with with Naomi's son, married into that home, saw Naomi living her life, watched her as she prayed and walked with God and made it very plain at some point in that relationship, a, a turning occurred in Ruth's heart and she made the decision, your God is going to be my God. A conversion took place. And she wasn't deserving of this relationship with God. And this is what grace does. Grace reaches out to us when we're not even thinking about it sometimes. 
Here we are born in a world where we had no covenant with God. We were aliens from the commonwealth of the kingdom of God, yet God came to little small town America or big city America to reach you. God made sure somebody was there to explain to you the good news of Jesus' death on the cross. There are a lot of other women that could have came into this relationship, but they never married Naomi's son. There are other ladies back in Moab who could have benefited from this, but they never came into contact with Naomi, who represents the grace of God. But yet Ruth had a relationship with her. And this is why I think in chapter two, Ruth was so happy to do whatever she could for Naomi because she felt indebted to her. I mean, everything she has now in this new world is because of Naomi. She has no clue that things are falling into place because of Naomi, but she knows that if she's going to make it, she's going to show her loyalty, her loyalty and allegiance to this woman. And so she was indebted to her the same way Paul said, I'm a debtor to Christ. Everything you have, you owe to God. Everything I have, I owe to God. You think of having a vehicle to drive. Think of having a nice roof over your head. And all you had to do was step outside the door and believe God that he would guide your steps. Ruth had no idea that the day she left that house that she was moving in the providence of God and that she would enter into the field of the man that one day would become her husband. That's grace. That's grace. Transforms. But you can see in chapter 2, verse 11, grace opens doors for you during this harvest time. Chapter 2, verse 11, Boaz answered and said, It has been fully shown me all that you've done unto your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you left your father, your mother, the land of your nativity, and are come to a people which you did not know before. What is he saying? He's saying to, to Ruth, do you understand that it is because of how you treated my relative? It is because of how you treated Naomi that this door is open unto you. That's grace. God opens doors for you that you had no idea God was opening. And he was working behind the scenes to bring, bring blessing into your life. You walked into blessings that God had prepared for you in a former time. All because of relationship. Knowing God is important. Knowing him is powerful. We have a Boaz, but his name is Jesus. We have a strong one on our side. We have someone who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And wherever we go, God can provide for us what we need. You need money, he can handle it. You need a job, he can handle it. You need a spouse, he can handle it. You need a home, he can handle it. You need a friend, he can handle it. There's nothing that our Boaz cannot do for us. That's what I'm getting at. So grace opens doors for you, even when you don't realize it. So think of your life right now. Just kind of meditate on the past 10 years or... 50 years. Think about the different people God brought into your life. Think of the different intersections, the crossroads that came to you in your journey. You may have considered some roads a dead end, only to find out that there are no dead ends with God because he's a way maker. And even when it looks like there's nowhere else to go, God is able to take you right through that because of his grace. That's what he can do. 
What else do we learn from this? We see in chapter 3, verse 3, where Naomi tells her daughter-in-law to go prepare for the, the proposal and what to do. You can see that grace guides you into wider fields of blessing. This woman, Ruth, had no idea that when she stepped out there into that field to work that she'd find also a husband. She certainly never thought she'd end up marrying the man that owned it all. So what you may believe is a blessing, probably is a blessing, but what you don't realize is that sometimes like a smaller box in a larger box that's in a larger box that's in a larger box, that as you walk with God, you find that one blessing is contained in another blessing and now God's opening it up to you and it seems like there's no end to it. Wider fields of blessing. God does one thing. That leads to a chain of events that brings nothing but blessing to you and smiles on your faces. How has God guided you? There's nothing in this book that ever says God told anybody anything. There's no phrase that says, thus saith the Lord. I don't see anything where it says somebody prayed. But from the moment they made their way back to Bethlehem, every step was guided and positioned by the Heavenly Father and relationships were brought together under his divine guidance. I'm telling you that even if you're not hearing from God, if you got a good heart, God will get you where you need to be. He will. He'll guide you into wider spheres of a blessing. So here this woman, Ruth who came to Bethlehem, Judah, having nothing, marries a man that owns fields. Yes, you know what she becomes? She becomes part owner, an heir with her hubby. Scripture says we've been made joint heirs with God. That means one can't rule without the other. The power that the Lord has, he himself slid over on the throne and made a place for us. It happened in the promised land. When the, the tribes were going into to collect their inheritances and one tribe was denied an inheritance because of the fact the sins of their ancestors and another tribe said, we've got so much real estate here. Why don't you come on over here into our area and use some of our real estate? And that's exactly what Jesus did. He said, I've got so much for myself. I've redeemed you. Come on over here and enjoy the inheritance that I have for you. We've done that. So this is a wide field. It takes a lot of people to be at work in this harvest. It takes millions of people to bring this in, to reach people, to tell them about the king. Do you think Ruth was happy at the end of the day when she found out there was a man that was really interested in making her the wife? Oh, yeah. And Boaz was an older man. He even told her, you're blessed among women because you could have went after any young man, but you chose me. Consider yourself fortunate to have the spouse that you have. Consider yourself fortunate to have had the spouse that you had. Consider yourself fortunate to be part of a bride that is connected with a groom that absolutely adores you, loves you, cares about you. That's what we have in in this story. A king that has gone 
out of his way to save us and redeem us and bring us into the blessing and the picture and in the image of Boaz and Ruth. And then in chapter four, we can see that in the end, grace is magnified. Look at verse number 14. The women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord, which has not left you this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel, and he shall be unto you a restorer of your life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law, which loves you, which is better to you than seven sons has borne him. Oh, yes. Naomi came back home sad. Now she's revived. When little little baby comes along, Provides all kind of happiness and excitement for her. The people begin to praise Naomi and they say, you can roll your shoulders back. Your countenance can change because everything that had been going in reverse and was bad toward you is now blessed. This is why we should magnify grace in everything that takes place. It's a whole lot better when you give a testimony to make sure God gets all the glory than you try to exalt yourself. If you're going to tell a story about what God has done for you, make sure that in the end, people always know it was the grace of God that opened that door. It was the grace of God that brought this person to you. It was the grace of God that brought this promotion to you. And you'll find that, that God's happy and it'll bless a whole lot of people. So this lady, Ruth, saw everything change. We're going to go home tonight to cupboards that are full of dishware and canned goods and spices. There are other people that may only have paper plates, may not have anything hardly in those cupboards. When you consider how God has blessed you, you open up that freezer, then you look in that refrigerator and see all kinds of good things. Then you go out there to that second freezer. I mean, that thing is so wide and so deep. I mean, you could fall in there and still be reaching for meat and stuff. Then you're going out there into that third freezer. One of them big commercial ones like some of you have. Just go in there and get locked in there and can't even get out. But you realize God has blessed you. Yeah. There are are ladies who, if anything like... Like my wife, they open up them closet doors, you know, got 200 pairs of shoes there. And I mean, stuff falling out when you open up the door and then you go and you open up the closets and you got dresses, and pants, and pants, suits and so much clothing that it spills over into another closet in another room. And you you understand how ladies do that. They're they're looking around for something. There's a wedding going to take place or a baptism or they've got to go visit somebody, uh, some kind of family reunion. And they're taking this out, looking at it, putting it against them, looking in the mirror. Then they put it back on the hanger, stick it back in there, go through it five or six times. And then they shout to their husband, I don't have anything to wear. Stuff everywhere. See, But God has so blessed us. Sometimes we take for granted the many things God has done. This woman came from a foreign country with a mother-in-law and had nothing when she arrived. But look at what God has done for her now. And When you consider all of us, it doesn't matter how good or how bad things are today. I can promise you, 
Just like the Lord had prepared a place for Ruth before she arrived at Bethlehem, Jesus said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. There are people in this world who have a lot of good things that come to them. Everything they touch, it's blessed, but they don't know God. And even Habakkuk said, I wonder, Lord, how long are the wicked going to prosper and we suffer? There are some people in this world that the only heaven they're ever going to know, the only good that's ever going to come to them, is what they deal with down here on planet Earth. Yeah. But there are other people. They're going to get to the other side. It's going to be absolutely glorious. And then there are those people who barely have ever gone a month without having to go to the doctor or spend a day in the hospital. There's some people who were born into terrible homes, parents who were drug addicts or drug pushers, pimps, whatever it might have been, self-righteous people who just did not take care of their family and kids have prayed and prayed and prayed, God, give me a new home. God, give me new parents. God, change my families. And those kids have grown up, become adults, and it seems like they've had one struggle after another, but somewhere along the line, they came to know God. And even though they've had difficulties, Planet Earth just hadn't been an easy place to live for. But if they have Jesus in their heart, when they put that body in the ground, I'm telling you, they're going to a place that's going to be absolutely lovely. All together, lovely. Yeah. That's grace, folks. To know that God's prepared a place for you and for me. And we don't have to be ashamed of the fact that we're following him and serving him. Ruth wasn't ashamed of her mother-in-law. We shouldn't be ashamed of our Christ. We should not be ashamed of this gospel. When people say to you, what did you do on Sunday evening? Oh, my, I am so glad you asked. We went to fellowship and worshiped God and heard the word. Do you want to hear the sermon? And then go ahead and re-preach it. I mean, there, there are some people, they at times get the facts wrong. They, you know, they have Daniel building the ark. And, you know, Isaiah's in the lion's den and that kind of a thing. But, you know, get the story across and help bring in the harvest, folks. How wonderful it is. I think compared to Ruth's day, Harvest is a lot better for us because spiritually we have the Holy Ghost to do what needs to be done. I think people who farm today with mechanized equipment are much happier than some of the ones who farmed without it. I think the ones who farm with mechanized equipment that have the calves on it are still happier than the ones that farmed with mechanized equipment that didn't have the calves on it. And like I was teasing some of the guys this morning, I said, all of you who at harvest time are going to be up there on your combines going up and down the fields with the GPS. I said, think of how God has now afforded you all that time while you're in the combine. You can now crochet. You can now crochet. See, God is good, folks. And to think that we're alive today. What a what a blessing it is that God loved us so much that he gave his son. And if he had to. He'd do it all over again, even if there was no one here but you. He'd do it. Let's stand. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Ah, Harvest time, folks. Lots of people need to know the Lord. More and more people are going to come to know the Lord.
If you're needing further prayer this evening, we're here to minister to you and to pray for you. But let's have a word of prayer tonight. God, it really is good to know that this story shows us how gracious you've been to all of us. We've received things from your hands that we didn't deserve, but yet your blood has cleansed us and made us accepted into the beloved. And because of that, we can boldly approach your throne and pray, knowing that when we pray in accordance with your will, our petitions will be answered. So, God, throughout this week, give us opportunities to share our faith. Help us to live our faith out loud. And then, God, we pray that souls would come into the kingdom. We love you and we honor you. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen.